0: So I figured we'll start with those. Um, I'll yeah. start with the questions from our mate. Yeah. That way, because that's something I thought would um, apply better for younger yeah. people that maybe will listen to this. Um. So his first question was, um, this is from a guy that's interested in getting into like buying a house. Yep. Yeah. His first question was, um, what's a good deposit amount for a house um, between four hundred and eight hundred thousand? Yeah. Cool. So.
1: Uh, when you're buying a property, uh, banks want to see that you have a established history record of being able to save money. They don't want to take all the risk on the property purchase. So if you've got um, uh, the bigger the deposit, the better. Um, you'll usually get a better interest rate, um, but the bank will look at you more favourably and you'll be more uh, suitable as a customer more banks, and the more banks that are interested in you as a customer, you know, the, the better, better deal you can get and shop around. Um, if you have a deposit of less than 20%, there's a thing called lenders' mortgage insurance. So if you've got, say, 10% deposit, say buying a house for 400000 10% deposit's $40,000, the bank looks at you and says, okay, well, you're taking 10% of the risk, we're taking 90% of the risk. Hmm. So we, uh, the bank will then want to insure their risk. So they have a thing called lenders' mortgage insurance. So they have, um, there's two providers in Australia, QBE and Genworth, who offer the product. So they Hmm. insure your loan with them. That protects the bank, but you pay the insurance premium. And it's normally paid on settlement and usually added to the loan. So if you've got... (coughs) 15% deposit, so on a $400,000 purchase, that would be $60,000. The bank would go, we're taking 85% of the risk, you're taking 15% of the risk, because you've got 15% deposit. Again, you would be paying mortgage insurance, Mm. but it would be less than if you had a 10% deposit. If you have a 20% deposit, uh, there's no mortgage insurance, the bank's happy. So the bigger the deposit, the better. the other good thing about a big deposit is it shows that you can save money, mm-hmm. shows that you will forego um, doing things that give you gratification now, like buying cars, going on holidays, those sorts of things, mm-hmm. and that you're the sort of person the bank wants. Um, the more yeah, the more you can save, the better, because once you've got the loan, it's in your best interest to pay the loan down as quickly as possible. save saves you interest and helps you build equity for buying more property if you want, or if you want to rent, uh, renovate the property, right. um, update the property, that sort of thing.
0: Is there a maximum amount of, like, can you have as much of the deposit as you want? Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you yeah. can have a 40%. Absolutely, yeah. yeah and does can. that change, that'll change the rate as well? Yeah, yeah. So some banks are
1: offering interest rates. It's called the loan value ratio. So if you put in 40%, and the loan and the bank puts in 60%, the loan value ratio is 60%. And some banks, if you're if you've got that much deposit or equity to put into another purchase, because some people some people buy a house, pay the loan down, it goes up in value, and then they sell that property right. and that the proceeds of that become the deposit for the next house. Okay. If you if your loan value ratio is below sixty percent um a lot of banks will give you a better interest rate than if it's above that. And you can, through a broker, um, um, we get pricing through banks. So we'll often go to a bank. Um, we don't tell them who the client is, but we just say, here's the client, good income, save good savings, um, you know, a good risk for you, um, your, your published rate is X will you be able to give us a slight reduction so this customer will come to you as a customer and quite often they'll do that to get the business. Right. Because the, th- the thing that bank- banks know is that people, people hang around people that are like them, roughly. So if you've got people that are good savers, good income, good occupation, they usually know people like them. So if they go to X bank... The, the that bank is more likely to get more referrals or people go oh if there are parties barbecues at the beach wherever you are and someone says oh who's your loan with they'll say oh, i'm with x bank and they're really good or if the bank's not good they'll tell people as well mm, yeah. so um the other the other thing um for first home buyers i think we might have mentioned last time there is a thing called the the government five percent deposit scheme so if, you have, if you're looking at a house that's, say, $400,000 and you have a 5-cent deposit, which is $20,000, you can apply for a, a slot in the scheme that the government announced before the last election, which started in 1, one January this year. Now, there's 10,000 slots every financial year. So there was, uh, it started in 1 January, so there was 10,000 slots between 1 January and 30 June. Right. Uh, today is the 12th of June. I think so. 12th of June, yeah, yeah, two days before my birthday. And there's another 10,000 slots that become available on 1 July. So if you've got a 5% deposit, you can apply um, for a slot. Some banks want you to apply for a spot, and then once you're approved with that spot, we'll give you a time frame to buy a house. Mm. Some of the other banks, not every bank can offer this, some of the other banks that offer this want you to have actually found a house first and then apply for the slot, because they want they don't want people getting positions and just sitting there,
0: because there's only
1: ten thousand spots per financial year, and every I think in the in the calendar year up to twenty nineteen, there was about first home buyers. So, only about one in eleven people, one in eleven clients will be eligible to get a spot Okay. so um,
0: that's another way you can get in with a, with a small deposit another another point that um, this person wanted answered as a question is about uh, first home buyers so um, his question was what fees are associated with first home buyers having a low deposit and how would that affect future repayments yeah. so,
1: so um, first home buyers so long as they uh, haven't bought a property before can get a stamp duty exemption in New South Wales. That's different in every study. So they can get a stamp duty exemption if the place they buy costs less than 650000 So there's no stamp duty. Um, the costs of buying include a conveyancer who will look over the contract for you and make sure everything's full bottle. Um, we also recommend a pest and build inspection. Um, if you're buying an established place, might be 30, 40, 50 years old, they look for water leaks, Uh, cracks, they look at the piers, they look in the roof, roof leaks, all that sort of stuff. And they'll give you a full report and they act on your behalf. Quite often when you go look at open homes, they'll have a pest and build report that has been supplied by the seller. Now they're good as an indication, but we always recommend you get your own. Uh, So they're the two main costs of buying a property. Yeah, the stamp duty, sorry, which, you know, a lot of people don't have to pay. Uh, Pest and build and the conveyancing. There's a few costs associated with registering your title and registering the mortgage, but they're only a couple $100. If you have less than a 20% deposit and you have to pay mortgage insurance, which is added to your loan, it will increase your repayments Mm. because you're borrowing more money. So, you know, you might be paying 8 or 10 grand worth of mortgage insurance, which is added to the loan, And may increase, you know, will increase your repayments. Uh, The other, the other option for for people looking to buy with less than twenty percent deposit is, and we might have mentioned this last time, is using a family member, usually parents, sometimes brothers and sisters, who have a property that they either own outright or they have a lot of equity in, and using that house as part security. So if you're buying a place for four hundred thousand the bank will take um, that house as security, so a $400,000 security. Right. A $400,000 security on a $400,000 loan is 100%, and the banks don't like that, and neither would any realistic investor mm. want to take the whole risk. So what we do is we talk to the parents and all the sibling, whoever's gonna provide the additional security separately, and explain to them that if um, we can use equity of say $100,000 in their property, um, the bank has security of the four hundred thousand plus the hundred thousand which is five hundred thousand. The loan is four hundred thousand which is eighty percent of the five hundred thousand so there's no insurance premium mm. um, but the, the, what they're called a security guarantor they just have to understand that if the the person borrowing defaults they could be at risk or be asked to to pay the security guarantee of up to one hundred thousand dollars, mm. so we make sure we under, we make sure that the, the people understand that who done security guarantee or that right. they're happy to do it, and that they're encouraged to get legal advice before we start the process. So, um, yeah, because okay. effectively the bank will take a first mortgage or a second mortgage on their property. So if they want to sell the property, our know, parents might want to downsize. You know, sell their house, by a unit, or or just free up some cash because super's not going as great as it was, and interest rates are down. They might need some extra cash. It does put some limits on what they can do, right? Because the bank has a mortgage on it, and that that mortgage, the second uh, security mortgage, normally sits there for a couple of years until the people who've bought the house own twenty percent of it by the market improving, them paying the loan down, or them in value to the property
0: one thing that's sort of a question I think about sometimes too is so when you if you're a person that hasn't invested before into a house like to buy a house and get a loan if you entered into that market by getting together with say your mum and your dad and your sister or you and a brother or whatever and getting a loan together to pay for uh, to rent something out or to live in um Would that mean you weren't eligible to get a first home buyer's grant later on if you've already entered it in, even if it's not solely you, it's with other people involved as a joint venture? With with the, look, there's there's different rules and sometimes they're a bit tricky
1: and I always encourage people to talk to their conveyancer or their solicitor, because I can't give legal advice. But generally, on the form you sign, for the first home buyer stamp duty exemption, it asks, have you ever owned property before? No. So if you've been on title to a property, so you're actually on the mortgage, sorry, on the title mm-hmm. as an owner, generally you won't get stamp okay. duty exemption. Um, you might've lent someone money for them to buy a property, but you haven't owned the property. Um, generally you would still get a stamp duty exemption. But, yeah, on the form that people have to fill out, one of the questions is, have you or your spouse ever owned property before? And if they have, generally you can't get it. But I I always say to people, we've we've got um, good conveyances. We recommend people, you know, give people a recommendation to use for the clients we've got all in Hobart, Melbourne, here, uh, here in Newcastle, Dubbo, Canberra, all over the place. So we always say, look, Um, Our understanding is this, but you need to get that up front. One of the interesting things is a lot of um, people may um, be in a relationship with someone who's not, might be on a visa, temp visa, um, may be applying for permanent residency, they may be a permanent resident but not an Australian citizen. There are some rules around that around who gets which exemptions and which grants and those sorts of things. The um, home builder scheme they the government announced last week to encourage people to build new property and do decent-sized renovations has some differing rules around who's about being Australian citizens. Mm. So, yeah, it's one of the things people need to get checked out. And if there's any issues, um, we suggest that they check them out before we start the process, because the last thing you want to do is be ready to settle the loan Mm -hmm. and be short of
0: money for settlement because there's an extra fee or you weren't entitled to a grant or an exemption. Yeah, okay. Um, One of the other things I wanted to cover today was some things we've written down. So one of the topics was to treat property like shares. So if you can just sort of expand on that. Yeah,
1: I just think um, we talked about this... A bit before and it's about when you buy a property and this is as an investor when you when you buy as an owner occupier like you're going to live in the place it's an emotional thing you know you you have an emotion you either you're walk in a place and you go wow i can see myself living here and it's around your, your lifestyle you know people live where people buy property to live in where they want to live you know it's around does it suit your lifestyle your work the things you do and that sort of thing Um, But when you're buying property as an investor, it's about the numbers. So it's about what's the yield on the property, what's the cost to get into it, what's the return, what's the capital growth potential, all those things. Pretty much the way you buy shares. When you look at shares, you look at a company and you go, okay, I think that company has growth potential, they pay dividends. I like the management team, I like the direction, that sort of thing. And If you look at things like uh, COVID and you look at some of the companies' share prices, um, JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, those sorts of companies' share prices have gone very well, mainly because a lot of people are staying at home and thinking, oh, I need a new telly or I need a new this or I need a new that, Um, like Bunnings has been packed, all those sorts of things, whereas some, some other companies um, may not have gone so well because um, their, um, the market for their product during COVID has been impacted. Pubs, clubs, those sorts of things. So as an investor, buying a property is less about emotion and more about the numbers. So you might, you might live in Newcastle. Buying an investment property in Newcastle May not be the best thing. You may be better off buying elsewhere. Um, I was talking to a, we've got a client from United Arab Emirates. Um, I was talking to the other day, looking to buy an investment property in Melbourne. Um, I was just saying to saying to them when you look at the numbers, the numbers don't are not really there because you're paying a decent price for a property. The rent is dropping because there's less people migrating to Melbourne and probably less people will be migrating to Melbourne because of the pandemic Mm. and the the issues with border closures. There'll be less international students. There's more people renting who've moved home. So Mm. vacancy rates are rising. So is that a good place to invest? Um, And I don't give people advice. I just question them and say, you know, have you looked at this properly? have you got good advice, would you be better off, rather than spending 800000 on a property in Melbourne, would, would you be better off looking at maybe cheaper areas that haven't been impacted as much, still have strong employment, still have low vacancy rates, is that a better thing when you look at the
0: numbers? So it's about looking at the numbers, much the way you look at a share. All right, okay. Um, the last thing we can cover today, and then we'll get you out of here, is talking about the costs of using a broker, because I think there's probably some misconceptions out there of uh, like how, where that cost is incurred. Is that incurred on the customer looking to get the loan from the bank or um, whatnot? not? Yeah. So, effectively, brokers are a distribution channel for, for the lender. So,
1: a lender, Newcastle Permanent, Westpac, Heritage, any, any bank. They can either employ staff to meet with customers and do loans, or they can employ, or they can engage uh, brokers. So what we do is, there we we work through a group called an aggregator group, and our group is Australian Finance Group, one of the biggest um, in the country. And through Australian Finance Group, we have access to around forty-five lenders. Um, I'm a my I'm accredited with about fifteen, I think, fifteen or sixteen and I regularly use most of them. So when a client comes to so if you walk into your local bank, it might be ANZ, it might be St George, whichever Beyond Bank, whichever bank you go to, when you walk in and see them, they may have the best loan for you. They've usually got a basic loan, a loan with an offset account or a fixed rate loan. They're the three main ones. There's other ones, lines of credit, and those sorts of things. When you walk into that branch, they may have the best loan for you. When you come to, and the staff member who you deal with is paid by the bank. Um, Their desk is paid by the bank. The lights, the utilities, the tea and coffee, everything's paid by the bank. When you come to a broker, um, if you were in Beyond Bank or Heritage or Liberty or whatever, or ANZ, whichever, brand, whichever bank you'd gone to, a broker will normally have access to those uh, banks plus lots of others. Now a broker will work with you to understand um, what you're looking to achieve now and into the future. What, what are you buying? Why are you buying it? And uh, will then come, will then um, look at the different lender options. Um, we would normally go to a few of our bank contacts to just see what they're willing to do, to see whether they'll give us a price reduction, drop any fees, that sort of thing. And then we'll present that to the client with a recommendation of what we, what we think, and that recommendation may not be the bank that they could have went into. Because um, some banks, if you're a doctor, there's some banks that are better than others. If you're an accountant, there's some banks that are better than others. If you're a casual, there's some banks that are better than others. It just depends. All banks have different policies. Now, when the client comes to us, because the bank is getting a new loan without having to pay a staff member at all their costs, the bank pays us. So we get paid by the bank, and we get paid normally about four to six weeks after the loan is settled. So we do all the work, we get all the information. Um, we spend a lot of time working with people on where they spend their money, because the way to part of the way to make money is not to spend money. That's the old um, Jerry Harvey, who runs Harvey Norman, quite a successful businessman. His adage is a dollar saved is a dollar earned. If you don't spend it, you don't need to earn it. So we work with clients to look at where they spend their money and try and help them trim that back a little bit. If we can get clients who are spending, say five grand a month on living back to four grand, in five years' time, they'll be $60,000 better off. So that's what we do as brokers. We look to try and help people with their financial journey um, and uh, just sort of point out we have have a system called Bank Statements, which um, we send to a client and it gives us a six month analysis of all their spending. So clients will estimate their expenses for us and then we'll show them exactly what they are and quite often there's a bit of a difference and people don't sort of, with tap and go, people don't really realise what they spend their money on. Uh, When you sort of add it all up, it's all there now. The banks can see everything. So if we have people who've got uh, spending that's a little bit high, we work with them to get that down first before we go to a bank. If they've got great income, that's good. They'll still be able to service the loan. But long term, if you're spending too much money on things you don't really need to do, it's not good for your long term wealth. Beautiful. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's lots and lots of brokers out there. Um, yeah, if you're comfortable with your bank and you've got a good relationship with your bank, you know, go to your bank. But I always say to people. Before you do anything, just get a second opinion from a broker because there just may be a
0: better deal out there for you. Yeah, beautiful. Um, Do you want to just plug your Facebook or something? Oh, yeah. Um,
1: We're Money Saver Home Loans. Um, We operate all around the country. Got clients in Perth, um, Melbourne, Hobart, Canberra, Brisbane, Gold Coast, um, Newcastle, of course, Dubbo, Albury. So um, if you need help wherever you are, um, let us know, um, even if you're overseas. It uh, can help you if you want to buy a property here or you're relocating back or to Australia. Um, Money Saver Home Loans is on Facebook. We put information on there daily and, which is, and it's helpful. No sell, we're not interested in selling to people. We just want to help people. If we help, um, and quite often we've helped people get in a better position and made nothing from it, that's fine because it's good karma and it all comes back to you. Um, our website, moneysaverhomeloans.com.au, has got lots of info on it, calculators, guides, and all that sort of stuff. Um, but, yeah, if you need help, just just sing out. And um, we've also got a good range of people we deal with, um, buyers, agents, conveyances, pest and build, um, other loan experts. Every now and then someone will come to us with a loan scenario that is not really something we do so we will refer on to another broker who specialises in that that sort of thing we don't get a fee for that we're just happy to help people with their um, finance journey and you know try and help make people wealthier beautiful all right